I ought to shout. I ought to run forward and hit him, or draw a knife on him. But I can't fight Antinous. I know. I tried once, last autumn. Something made me crack and I hurled myself at him, fists pummeling his body, fingers ripping away layers of silk to claw at his flesh. I still remember the moment I encountered hard muscle under Antinous's layers of fat and the shock of helplessness as he chucked me aside. I don't need another lesson. I'm sixteen years old, not yet fully grown, and no one has ever taught me how to use a sword. The visitors who have taken over our house are grown men. They're fighters. One day you'll be a fighter, my nurse, Eurycleia, used to tell me that. I hardly knew what fighters were then. Men on Ithaca are fishermen and farmers. I didn't know about the weapons and tattoos, the peacock clothes and jewelry, the plated hair, the scars exposed like badges of pride, the furious arguments, knife fights, killings. Fighters. I'm surrounded by them now. They stalk the corridors of the big house like dogs, their aggression filling every room with a raw animal stench. Every day ends in drunken arguments. Fights like the one in the courtyard earlier, happen pretty much every week. I still remember the first corpse I ever saw. A young man, barely older than me, sprawled in the courtyard with his teeth grinning at his own blood while two others rolled dice for his shirt. I'm neither a coward nor a weakling, at least I hope I'm not. But I can't do anything against men such as these. How do I cope? I've learned different survival strategies instead. I've learned how to defuse ugly situations, how to swallow the petty humiliations that would make a fighter reach for his sword. Sometimes I don't feel like a boy at all. At sixteen, I'm like an old man with the skills of a practiced diplomat. So instead of hurling myself at him, I just say, Good morning, Antinous, keeping my voice calm. Antinous nods, not even looking at me. His fat tongue appears, searching his lips for a shred of nut. Antinous's features seem too small for his face, as if his pointed nose, girlish mouth, and small bright eyes were designed for someone more delicate. Seeing him watch Penelope, his expression reminds me of Eumaeus, the farmer, looking over a pig he's fed up for slaughter. The thought makes me feel sick but I don't show it. I thought you were in the kitchen. I heard him there earlier, giving Melanthius orders for this evening's feast. Lambs to be slaughtered and spitted, fish to be gutted and stewed in squid ink. Antinous loves his food. I was in the kitchen. Antinous twists his thick neck and gives me a contemptuous look. I'm not anymore. I glance out the window to calm myself. Outside, sun shines on the olive grove, and the sea is a majestic blue. No sail in sight. It's a habit I've had all my life, to check the window each morning, just in case this morning. This morning of all the mornings, there'll be a speck of white out there on the endless blue. A ship bringing Odysseus home to Ithaca. This morning I see nothing but a familiar cluster of fishing boats hauling in nets by the little islet of Asteris. I go up to my mother, ignoring Antinous, and kiss her on the forehead. How did you sleep? 
I ask gently. Penelope stops weaving and frowns, as if she's thinking hard. Well, she says at last, very well. When Odysseus married her, Penelope was said to be the prettiest girl on the islands, and her looks have barely changed. Past thirty, her skin is still smooth, her hair black, her figure as light as ever. It's inside that the years of loneliness have eaten her away. Until recently, she could still dress for dinner, put on her jewels, and play the part of a hostess, as if the young men downstairs really were just guests in a big house. Now she weaves all day, sitting next to a window overlooking the harbor where she last set eyes on Odysseus. She eats nothing. She hardly leaves her bedroom. There are good days.